0: Now, one thing I did want to ask you about: we saw uh, last week Tyson Fury now not fighting this year. I'm going to fight in the US early next year instead. What was the main reasons behind that ultimate decision?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. It's financially, but at the end of the day, financially didn't stick, stack up. From the times that the uh, the times that the Americans wanted the fight to go on, which was the uh, early hours of the morning. To the time that we, we originally were going to put the show on a prime time, that didn't work and financially couldn't generate enough income to make it happen. So that was the problem.
0: And Which is a finances, great show. Something I do want to ask you, and, and you'll know why I'm asking you because it links into another story we've got earlier this week, is that Tyson Fury's last fight against Deontay Wilder was on UK pay per view at a new price point for Tyson Fury, just as Anthony Joshua's last fight was. We've now found out that Joshua's forthcoming fight against Kubrat Pulev will stay at that new price of what 24.95. Will Tyson is he now established at that price point regardless of who he fights?
1: I don't know yet. I mean, you know, who, who knows? We, we'll see what happens. I mean, we start grading them. Then what are you going to do? You know, if he gets in in with Anthony Joshua, what price is that going to be? You know, where do you go with it? I, I, I don't think we should be, you know, even going there with that. It is what it is at the moment. Um, we've got no live gates. Where are we going to get the income? It's got to come from somewhere. You know, that's where we're at. If we had the live gates, maybe that would make a slight difference for fights that are not such a you know, a, a big fight. But we have no live gates, so I can't blame Matchroom for charging what they're charging. It would be very easy for me to say it's a liberty and so forth. But, you know, there's no live gate. Where are you going to generate the money from? You've got to generate it from somewhere.
0: Now, as we know, we're almost in the midst of your 40th anniversary involved in boxing. It's kind of sandwiched between two shows, um, so you'll certainly be busy. I'm not sure how much time you'll have to reflect on the 40 years' experience you've accrued. But I just want to ask you, I know you've talked in depth about it already, but I want to ask you some kind of quick-fire-style questions about your 40 years. So, first of all, who's the most naturally gifted fighter that you've ever worked with? Nice. Nice. Who made the most of their talent?
1: I would say at the moment, well, it's a toss-up because he's not—he's still fighting, but it's a toss-up between Joe Kauzacki and Tyson and see where Tyson goes at the end of his career.
0: Who stands out as having walked away from the sport, having not fulfilled their potential?
1: Oh, there's been loads of fighters, you know, over the years. Fighters not even won titles who I thought were going to be something special. But um, Naz still, you know, Naz done at his best. He was the best. But um, towards the end, and he was still a young man. He wasn't, you know, it just didn't work out for him.
0: What's been your proudest moment in boxing in the last 40 years? I'm sure there have been loads, but what's been, what stands out?
1: (laughs) Oh God, I can't. Uh, there have been a, there's been a lot of fights and a, a lot of great times but i think what i was really really um pleased to be part of was two things really was one getting all paying paying for it, getting all the boxers in the uk mri scans when boxing was under really under the cosh from all sides and uh, working with you know neurologists and the border control, when we managed to get that done. So therefore, forming a base level where they could monitor monitor how each boxer was getting on um, over a period of time. So that that was good, and I was really pleased to be able to help settle the matter between, and I never promoted him by the way, between now uh, Michael Watson and the boxing border control, which I thought was an awful time for boxing, and I thought he was treated extremely badly, and he didn't look like he was going to get any money out of it. And he was solely needed at being in, incapacitated and being as bad as he was. So I was quite pleased to help, to have helped and maybe been instrumental of, of settling that matter to enable uh, him to have a, a better life and enable the ball to continue.
0: And your biggest regret?
1: Probably doing those things because after I'd done them, everybody said I had the ball in my pocket. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Which I didn't. No, my biggest regret, I'm, look, i got no regrets because I don't think about things like that. I think if things things go wrong, they're things to learn from. And I turn, a, a, I turn a, a, a regret, if you want to call it, into a positive and learn from it and move forward.
0: Who's been the biggest pleasure to work with over the years? It doesn't have to be a boxer. It could be someone in the office. It could be a manager, trainer, whatever. Who, who's been the biggest pleasure to work
1: along I, with? I love working with Ernie Fossey. You know, Ernie was, from day one, he was my one of my you know, mates, he knew he knew boxing backwards. Dean, both, he, he passed away. Dean Powell, the game was great in my office. I've got, whole, I can read your whole roster of you know. Andy Allen, Emma, Ed Lee, you know, all, all the guys. Working with my kids is great. And a stack of fighters, but I really did enjoy working with Enzo machiavelli Okay, he'll,
0: he'll love that. Um and who's been who's given you the
1: biggest headache? Biggest headache. God. Do you know what gives me the ones who give me the headache, the biggest headaches, the one who waste their talent? Tony Collins, um, Mitchell Smith. Fighters that they really, really do give me a headache. The rest of it, it is what it is. That's what gives me a headache. Well,
0: I hope you've got your uh...
1: such talented fighters. They were so, they're both of them, their man's a few others I can sure I can you know what bring to bring to my, uh, bring to my mind but those two especially they were they ex- really extraordinary talented fighters who just didn't have discipline.
0: Well, I hope you've got your paracetamol stocked up because apparently Mitchell Smith's going to meet you early next year on the comeback trail. So, well,
1: I'd like to. I'd, I'll, I'm, I've got no problem sitting down with him, and he, you know I quite like Mitchell, but you know he's been out a long time. He's got you know this boxing boxing is an unforgiving sport. You can't, as uh, Martin Bauer said, you can play sport, but you can't play boxing.
0: Well, congratulations for the 40 years. Obviously, known you for about 10 or 15 of them now, but it's mostly been a pleasure. I can't say we've never butted heads, as I'm sure you have with plenty of other people, so have I, but no one respects what you do for the game more than I do. Um, So, congratulations, and here's to many more years.
1: Thank you, Dan. It's been a pleasure butting heads, mate. okay.
0: (laughs) You look after yourself. And you, Frank. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, Dan. Cheers, mate. Bye.
0: Not long left, so I'm just going to ask you a quick question about the other show on BT Sport on the same night, which is the exhibition or so called exhibition between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. And as we haven't got long, all I'm going to ask you is this Would you fancy fighting the winner?
2: No, 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 at this stage, I wouldn't fancy fighting the winner. Um, I love both fighters, I think. Uh, both fighters, I uh, hope they, they represent themselves best they can, but we, we also need to remember. They are in their 50s. So it's like us judging Usain Bolt on a sprint when he's 50 and he only runs 12 and a half seconds. You know, you could say, you've disgraced yourself. Look at that time. It's embarrassing to yeah. no. know. How about you get out Carl Lewis, Linford Christie and get them all to run when they're 50? It's just, okay, this is how they run now when they're 50. So as long as people aren't trying to judge them for how Mike Tyson was 35 years ago, I think, I think, we'll, be, I think we'll be okay. I definitely feel they'll, they'll be in as good shape as they physically can be. Um, I I just believe the fact that Roy Jones Jr. has had 32 fights in the last 20 years um, is very notable. And and Mike Tyson's only had eight, of which he's only won three in the last 20 years. That's not the best resume going into a fight in your your mid-50s against a guy who's been as active as Roy Jones. And not only has he been active, he's one of the most defensive geniuses and specimens ever to walk the Earth, and um, if anyone could um, somehow get a um, wind back the clock, you know Roy Jones for eight two minute rounds, of what they're boxing. I think you'd do that. Mike Tyson, I think maybe roll back the clock for five ten seconds twice around, maybe, and then that's then that's it. I don't believe he's going to have many bursts. Yeah. I think the first burst. And how much rest he needs after? Is this safe? He pins Jones against the corner. He's been hitting the pads like he's doing. I've seen some fantastic pad and bag work from Mike Tyson, but I've only seen it in two or three second bursts. Yeah. Well, and they've all, bridge, all yeah. been, they've all been cut together, and he looks fantastic. I want to see what happens when Mike Tyson lets his hands go for ten seconds. Pins Jones against the ropes. Roy Jones is going to have got a very, very good defense, good eyes. He can see what's coming, and he should be able to see Mike Tyson's shots coming because. He's a lot older and a lot slower. So after Mike Tyson's let off that first barrage, how long is it going to be before he can throw his next? And in that gap where he's recovering, how much damage is Roy Jones going to be able to do with him? Peppering him with that jab, showing the lead left hook, and catching him with those shots. Maybe a, a hit in Mike Tyson's body. When was the last time Mike Tyson took some heavy body blows? You know, although he looks, although he looks fantastic. But there's a conditioning that's required to be able to absorb the abuse that a professional fighter takes. I'm not sure how much over the last 20 years he's done. One training camp in 20 years of, you know, not much real activity, um, particularly coming off a couple of really heavy losses. Uh, Kevin McBride and Danny Williams. Um, oh, it's uh, That's not the best preparation for any... But then again, Roy Jones is obviously in a similar boat. He's coming off, you know, a lot of victories over guys that Obviously not in Mike Tyson's league, but he's been active. He's been through training camp. He's been in there. knows what like to warm up, get in the ring. He knows what like to get hit. You know, so I'm just heavily favoring Roy Jones Jr. in this fight. Um, obviously, way past his his very best, way past his his best. But he's um, he just seems like the guy who's been in boxing and's been in the gym, been doing seminars on boxing. He's been doing some training with. Um, Chris Schubank Jr. So he's in there, he's working, he's he's in the game. Mike Tyson's kind of stepped away from it over the years completely and utterly. Started up a, a weed farm and all that. I'm not sure about yeah. his cardio going into the, the second half of the fight, going into that fifth round. But I, I don't think it will if it does go into the fifth round, I don't see that being very beneficial for, for Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson needs a first round knockout, latest second round knockout, because if he doesn't, I believe Roy Jones will just just uh, have some fun. I think Roy Jones will be able to have some fun in there against a static target, who might not have the engine.
0: Brilliant. Well, Thanks. always a pleasure to talk to you, David, and, and an education. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Thanks, a lot, mate. See you soon.
3: Cheers, mate. Take care. <laughs>
4: This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted to be joined by 2 weight World Champion, Badu Jack the Ripper. It's been a while, Badu. How are you doing?
5: I'm great, great. How are you doing?
4: I'm very well, thank you. Very well. It's been a while since we've caught up. Um, what have you been up to apart from training very hard in Las Vegas?
5: Uh, Just spending time with the family and the kids. Yeah, and training. That's it
4: say so you're spending time with the family and the kids. You're one of the, well, in the last probably decade, one of the busier fighters around your weight class in particular. Uh, this year, everything's kind of ground to a halt for everybody. Have you enjoyed having that extra bit of time at home with the family?
5: Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying that. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get back in the ring. So, yeah, I've been waiting to, to get a fight date for a long time now. So, yeah, we're we on for November 28th.
4: We certainly are, and it's it's like a lot of things this year. It's kind of crept up on everybody. Everybody's been preoccupied with something else, and before you know it, it's round the corner. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your your return to the ring on a massive card: Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Pretty good one to get on.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah. Mike Tyson's team they reached out to us in August. Uh, if you want to be a part of, uh, you know, his his uh, comeback fight with Roy Jones, uh, I say yeah, absolutely. And uh, that was only like four or five weeks away. And uh, it was supposed to be an exhibition fight for me too, so I wasn't really, uh, you know, wanted to go down to 175 just for exhibition. And yeah, and then they they changed it the last minute to a to a real fight. And uh, yeah, so we we were fighting a cruiserweight or a catchweight, 189 pounds for this fight. So I'm still a light heavyweight till uh till we get the Pascal fight. But after that, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs>
4: They mentioned the Pascal fight. That's the last time that we saw you. it. Very, very close. So you very close, controversial fights. Um, now you've had a little yeah. bit of time to reflect on your performance. What did you make of it?
5: Uh, I thought I won the fight. And so did like 78, 70, 80% of everybody that watched in the fight. But uh, yeah, we're going to have a rematch. Uh, yeah, it's been pushed back for, because of COVID. And uh, yeah, hopefully it looks like we're going to fight uh, beginning of uh, next year.
4: What is it about your style, Badu, that always seems to produce these clo- close controversial fights?
5: Uh, it's, it's boxing politics. But, yeah, it's uh, some, some stuff that I got to change too. But most of it, uh, you know, is boxing politics.
4: You mentioned the stuff that you've got to change.
5: I mean, I got I to gotta start earlier. And, and, uh, and so you'll, you'll see uh, next week uh, a little uh, preview of that.
4: How much do you know of your opponent? I, to be honest, I've not not heard of Blake McKinnon. How much do you know of him? Uh,
5: Nothing, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I saw him at the press conference. You know, he's talking a lot, talking a good game. You know, he's a... I give him his 15 minutes of fame, let him talk. You know, I I talk with my fists in in the ring. So, he's going to be humble after that. so, So, it's okay.
4: You certainly do. Um, talk to me a little bit about preparation for this fight. Obviously, you've been joined by a certain Mike Tyson. Vidal Riley, who I know that you know very well anyway, has also been around the camp. What's that been like? You've got kind of got the, the present, which is you, the future in Vidal. And forgive me, Mike, if he's within yeah. earshot, but, you know, the past in Mike. What's what's
5: training camp been yeah. like this time around? Uh, it's been a good camp, actually. I have a new trainer, Jonathan Banks. I've been working with him a lot, and uh, I feel great. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm in great shape. I've been throwing a lot of punches, combinations, everything. So, uh, we're looking good in camp.
4: What was what was the reason behind the change in trainer to move over to Jonathan Banks?
5: Uh, it was um, actually my old trainer Lou DeVal, which we're still cool, we're still good friends. Uh, yeah, he said he missed his family, he wanted to move back to New York, and uh, yeah, he's kind of, was kind of tired of all the time that we have being robbed. And, yeah, so, yeah, we decided to get a new guy in, and Jonathan Banks uh, was the first guy I tried. I tried a couple of other guys, but, uh, yeah, he's the one I clicked with uh, real well for my style, and, uh, yeah, I'm very happy.
4: Had you worked with him before, Jonathan Banks?
5: No, no. We, uh, so, he's been working with Triple G, and, and uh, me and Triple G has the same uh, nutritionist. So, yeah, mind my... you. Patricia said that Johnson Banks, you know, is a fan of mine. And, uh, yeah, after that, yeah, we, we linked up and, and, yeah, we clicked. We're, he's only a year older than me. So, we're about the same age and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's going great.
4: you at this stage of your career now. You're an incredibly experienced fighter, you know, two-weight uh, two world champion. How much of it at this point of your career is psychological? You're getting somebody, you're getting a new trainer to come in. I'm assuming at least he's not going to completely change your style or revolutionize the way you fight. What is it at this stage of your career that you're looking to take from a new trainer? I mean, he's more of a...
5: Uh, he's pushing me a little bit harder. And, and yeah, he's he not trying to change my style. Just adjust some small things uh, with balance and power and, and stuff like that and, and just... Uh, uh, yeah, let me um, push myself. He see the talent, the fighter that I am, and, and he's trying to get the best out of me.
4: Now, I mentioned the, the two people that you've been joined with in training camp well, at least two. Uh, Tyson. What's it been like training alongside Mike Tyson? I'd imagine somewhat surreal, he would have retired before you started your professional career.
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, he retired in 2005, so yeah, I actually started amateur boxing in 2001, so yeah. Uh yeah, I mean both Roy Jones and Mike Tyson would be it was my favorite fighters growing up. So, um, yeah, I I, we, I haven't really seen him training. He saw me training. but We was there only one time. But um, yeah, he looks like he's in great shape. And I mean it's an exhibition, but with Mike Tyson, you never know what could happen.
4: You say uh, that's, that's something that's been kind of repeated, the fact that it's an exhibition bout. Now, yeah. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. are two of the most established, legendary fighters of many, many a year. Surely they're going to be too competitive for an exhibition.
5: Yeah, I mean, and I don't think Mike Tyson could take it easy. And, uh I mean, Roy Jones is no punk either. So he, he he's going to try to respond to, to whatever coming at him. But... uh yeah, hopefully I'm I'm in good friends with both of them. So hopefully none of them get hurt and uh yeah, they they doing this for charity like myself. So, I mean, at least what I heard. So yeah, hopefully everybody have a good night.
4: Before we come on to your um your charity work, I've always very keen to talk to you about your foundation. Um mention Vidal Riley, somebody you know well, um you obviously work with Amir Abdullah, both of you. Uh, what's it been like having him around recently? He's, again, kind of coming away from well, what he's, you know, he's trying to distance himself from kind of YouTuber boxing now and really carve out his own professional career. Have you noticed the change in Vidal? Uh,
5: yeah, he's uh, very skillful, very talented. We actually the first time we fought with him, uh, yeah, like a month or two months ago. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's um, his future is very bright and, uh, yeah, he's very athletic. He just got to stay focused, yeah, Worry too much about YouTube and, and just stay focused. You know, he, he, he could be a world champion one day. Yeah, that's, that's
4: yeah. A as well. I think we're a more on YouTube uh, sometimes. Um, as I mentioned, the Badu Jack Foundation. What have you been up to? I'm always very keen to hear what you've been doing, your various charitable exploits around the world. What's the latest with the foundation, Badu?
5: Um, uh, we have, I haven't been able to do too much since, uh, at least, not traveling. Since you know the pandemic, but uh, uh, we working on uh, working with foster kids. We're gonna start something with, with foster kids here in the United States as well. And yeah, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing with the uh, refugee camps and and uh, the orphans and everything. So um, yeah, so all the proceeds from this fight, yeah, uh, donated to to my foundation. So this is this is not a regular event. This is not a regular fight. Of course, it's a fight in the ring. You know, I go in there to hurt my opponent. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little different. I fought eight world champions back to back, or or future or or former world champion, and um, yeah, this is a little different. This it's it's, it's a round five, but like, this is for charity.
4: You mentioned uh, the Jean-Pascal fight, the Jean-Pascal pa- rematch that you're looking at in the future. Yeah. I mean, forgive me, but you have been around the block for a while. You've been in some great fights, some tough fights. Is, is that kind yeah. of – is that as far ahead as you're thinking? I mean, I don't want to utter the word retirement, but you are coming towards the yeah. end of your career. How much left for you to achieve in the sport?
5: Uh, I mean, I feel like I haven't took a lot of punishment. I've been in tough fights, but I, I haven't took a lot of punishment. And I mean, I, I got a cut, but other than the actual headbutt, I did. He never hurt me or nothing. So I don't. I feel fresh. I feel. I feel young. I mean, I'm. I'm throwing a lot of punches. Uh, with my new trainer. Everything feels great. So, I take one fight at a time, of course. And uh, then we see what's going on. Maybe, maybe I move up in weight to do a third weight class. We'll see. Would you Would you consider
4: moving up to cruiserweight?
5: Yeah, definitely. This fight is at cruiserweight. Uh, next week. So or cash weight uh, one and 89. But, um, yeah, no, I walk around heavy so that, that it won't be a problem. And, and, uh, I would like to become a three division world champion and, and, uh, be able to eat a little better and put some weight on. Yeah. Why not? Especially now when you get a little older, metabolism is not working like it did 10 years ago, but I mean, I can still make one light, uh, light heavyweight, but, um, We'll see what happens. First, this fight, then Pascal, and after that, we, we're gonna make a decision on what we're gonna do.
4: Okay. Well, before I let you go, I do appreciate your time when you're so close to the fight. Uh, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. What are we going to see? Um,
5: I think uh, a lot of people underestimate uh, Roy Jones. He he's still, uh, you know, a great fighter. And but Mike Tyson, if he if he lands one of those big shots, uh, you know, it could be over. But if they just do, you know, exhibition, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Both of them are my friends, and I'm big, big fan of both of them as well. So, may the best man win, even <laughs> though it's not a winner. <laughs> but,
4: <laughs> may, the best, may the best man win, but let's hope that we, they both come out of the ring um, as as safe, safe. as, healthy as they, yeah. they went into it. Badu Jack, always a real pleasure. <laughs> speaking to from social, and I look forward to seeing you in action next week on the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. undercard. Thanks, mate.
0: Now Dubois-Joyce, very intriguing fight. Before we go into detail on it, have you um, sparred either of the two guys in the past?
6: No, I haven't. I haven't sparred either of them. No, but. Uh, you just missed Joyce, obviously, on the GB setup as well. He must have come in a few years after you won the bronze and turned pro. Uh, yeah, I think I think he was the. He came in after Joshua, I think, didn't he, Joel Joyce? So, I think he was there at the same time as Joshua, but Joshua went to the Olympics and then he I, became the number one after that. Okay, yeah, so okay. Maybe a few uh, years after you. Years after, he yeah. I remember meeting him in. Um, I met Joel Joyce at the Chisora, David A. fighting in Upton Park and I was aware of who he was and he was an amateur then, that was 2012 and I think he was just like starting to get picked to fight for England and things like that but he, he's I've just been talking about it on a WhatsApp group he's um, he's had a, a, an extended amateur career and fought some top top fighters and the World Series of boxing as well and the thing is with Joel Joyce's amateur career um was was the three three minute round so it was a bit of a more smooth transition easier transition to the pros especially with the wsb experience than, than what you know myself and the lads who turned pro my time will have had and i don't know how many fighters he had nine or ten ten i think but, but, he, but he's yeah but, but if you look at his records you know remains to be in after a few fights it's no joke, it's not you know they, you know, people can go, oh Deontay Wilder knocks the out in the damn, but you know, that that's that's heavyweight boxing, and you get it on the chin in the right at the right time, especially early doors and you call cold, especially someone like Deontay Wilder, then then you're you're gonna be in trouble. But then Joyce giving it giving an absolute pacing, And it's is, it's is intensity that he fights at and his an unconventional unorthodox style which can throw people a lot. Brian Jennings, you know, Brian Jennings is a top operator. Being in with Vladimir Klitschko, I think he's only lost to Vladimir Klitschko and uh, lose all So yeah, lose all when he was on fire, you know. Um
0: oh, no, didn't he lose to um Oscar Rivas as well just
6: before Dylan White and White was, yeah, and yeah, but we're yeah, all all top fighters. Yeah. And Joyce is getting in with them after you know, he hasn't even had 10 fights, so and, and, and I believe he is an Olympic gold medal winner, really. So he's going into the fight, in my eyes, as the favorite. He's got everything on his side for me, apart from one punch knockout power and, and youth. But I think this is a fight where youth isn't going to be an advantage, I think experience is going to come into play. Um, so you know, I don't know whether they sparred much on the GB setup as well, but they must know each other a little bit.
0: Yeah, they sparred so, on a few occasions, they, but they don't really take much from it. Dubois doesn't seem to yeah. think much about
6: it. That might be because he fucking got it. That I ringing <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, do you know what, though? On a serious note, I don't think I've looked forward to a fight like this. I've, I've been looking forward to it since I got it announced, so... I'm just made up at going ahead in, in the circumstances within because it's a fucking great fight. It's a great fight and, and you've got to take your hat off to the two of them. for so just going. yeah, let, let's do it. You know, let's take take a chance. Winner goes on to better things. Loser, you know, as long as they lose gracefully and and, and a gallant in defeat, they will uh, we'll come again and, and probably the, the stock will dies anyway. Um, I think Joyce has got more to lose than Dubois because of the age thing. But, but, uh, you know, I really believe that Joyce has been underestimated. You know, I'm going to have a bet on him to win inside the distance. And that's not, um, you know, nothing against Daniel Dubois. It's just that I think it's, it's, it's it's a fight that's there to be won for Joel Joyce. But I still think Daniel Dubois will go on to big things despite the fact I think he's going to lose on Saturday, um, you know, he can lose and then still go on and win a world title. Uh, you know, but if he beats Joyce, sorry, if he beats That's Joyce, he, he, he's the real deal, isn't he? In my eyes, if he beats him, he's the truth because you you listen to any of the top every week like Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, you never heard, heard Joe Joyce's names on many people's lips because he, he's going to be avoided, isn't he? So, that's off to Dubois for going for it. And if he does it, then he, he's, you know, he, he's, he's he's definitely the next big thing, isn't he?
0: One thing I wanted to ask you about with Joyce, he's only had a small number of fights as a pro, but he's had, I think, three or four trainers now. Um, yeah. He started off with Ismail Salas, he's back with him again for the last fight for Dubois. But is that yeah. a, a good thing in that he's moved around, tried to learn from different people? Or does it show that he fails to settle or that they can't mould him the way they want to?
6: Yeah, it's a good question, because he, he is a bit of a unique, he's got a bit of a unique style. He's not very textbook, is he? But I think that works in his favour. So he's done something with Adam Bird. Um Now, I don't think, I don't think he was, Adam Bird was the right fit for him, because I think Joel Joyce isn't an explosive fighter. He's more like a, He's more like a um, a diesel engine, if you will, that'll just keep going and going and going, going. Yeah, whereas Adam Bood, his fighters, a lot of them are fast twitch reactions, you know, sharp and, and you know, re- re- relying on the reflexes and that. That way in Joel Joyce, um, that's not to say Adam Bood can't train someone who hasn't got them reflexes, but I just thought if Joel Joyce... But started trying to do do that, take away what what he's good at and what he's what he knows, and that's just just like being like a, a dynamo, just like a juggernaut, that which is which is his nickname, isn't it? Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's difficult to say really. Um, it's it's a matter of whether he's left the trainers because he hasn't felt comfortable doing what they're telling him to do, or he's wanting to pick bits up off, off different one and if he can do that and, and make it for him then it, then he's a clever man because I don't I don't really know many fighters who've done that and, and really succeeded at the end of it who've floated down different uh, trainers I don't really know of many um, most of the time they've been with one or two and got, got to away yeah. bit neither to go but yeah, the, Salaz is obviously a good trainer and, it, and obviously Joe sees something in him because he's gone back to him again so uh, yeah it's an interesting one Now you're back in Joyce as you've
0: said um, inside the distance you're even going to put your money where your mouth is which is uh, brave um, Yeah Flip it to the other side if you were Dubois' trainer or, or in his corner what's the advice you'd give him for having the best chance to beat Joe Joyce?
6: I think his best chance is early and early. I, I it sounds like obvious, stating the obvious but I think he needs to go out early and which he will, and catch him cold early, and just take him out of his rhythm straight away. If you catch your judge cold, he can be, he can be done. You know, I think Cosman's uh, on him in the amateurs first round. So any heavyweight can be knocked out, especially in yeah, body shot early as well. Yeah, the body shot is, is another one, but he got he got through it, and he he still done the 10, 12 rounds, whatever it was. But I think Dubois early is his best bet is to jump on him. And, yeah, he's just going to have to um, let his hands go straight away. But that that's not really a big ask for him because that's what he does in every fight. So that's what makes it it, it the perfect fight, early. So it's either, it's either enough or it
0: isn't, basically. He does his natural style and it either works on Joyce, who gets caught cold, or it doesn't. He survives and then it's tough yeah. for Dubois down the stretch.
6: I think it's going to be tough once once we're into like round six and onwards. But look, Dubois, Dubois might have a great engine himself, like, But he just he just hasn't had to show it yet. Um, yeah, we've seen some. him overcome adversity. Yeah, we've we've seen him take some good shots flush yeah. on the chin, but we haven't seen him
0: come through long periods where he's been outboxed or outworked or anything yeah. like that yet. Yeah.
6: No, we haven't, and and that's where the question marks are. And we haven't seen the same of, of Joyce. Yet, but there will have been fights in the amateurs where Joyce will have had to overcome these type of problems, and then the WSBs, you know, his forces. And although it's a different format and whatever else, it's still a fight, and it's still it's still in 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 his in his bank mentally, and he knows to deal with it. The muscle mentally will be there. It, it, it may be new to Dubois. Sparring may have brought it out of him. You know, he he's had he's had good sparring. I'd imagine for this fight, he's been sparring Bacoli. Uh,
0: Joyce has been sparring Bacoli. I'm not sure if
6: Dubois yeah. has been sparring Bacoli. See, I think I think I think uh, Dubois would have been better sparring Bacoli because Bacoli is a, a volume puncher as well, isn't he? Yeah. He just throws plenty, similar, if um, anything, probably a bit more, a bit more technically cuter. Um, Joe Joyce, you know, a bit, bit bit neater, um, and he throws plenty, so that. That probably would have been better, but you can never you can never replicate anyway the exact the exact replica of um, who you're gonna fight. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, it's a good one. Is everyone else excited about it as I am? I think so yeah, I think so. It Especially be, now you know, the
0: White Povetkin rematch was postponed. I think the fact that it's now the biggest heavyweight fight over that period until Joshua Poole might yeah, bigger than Joshua I, Poole, is yeah. more competitive.
6: It's I just hope it gets the exposure it deserves because mm-hmm. it's not it's not a sky fight, is it? And sky seem to get uh, match room scene and, and because of the way they work and, and how good they are, I do seem to generate a lot of interest around fights. You know, they've got the Sky Sports News platform and everything else. And with this, you know, I hope it gets the, the, the interest it deserves because it's a, it's a fucking whopper of a fight and they both deserve the stock to go up after it and, and, and to be raised, you know, so so I do hope it gets a, um, it gets that, that, what it deserves, what's that, uh, <laughs> it's just he, my little
0: boy, bringing the phone in,
6: <laughs> I hope it gets, I hope it gets the recognition, it deserves, and, um, you know, and, and the viewing figures really, get to bed, yeah,
0: get to bed Aidan, <laughs> <laughs> I'll read you your story later, go on, right. um, just one thing before you go, being, uh, international, amateur, and competing in those big tournaments, Mentally, does that translate to the pros? Does it help when you go into these big fights? Because obviously, Dubois only had, I think, seven amateur, uh, senior amateur fights. He was mainly a junior, whereas Joyce has been in the world. He's been at the Olympics, arguably should have won the gold. Is that a big advantage?
6: I I, I think so, yeah. You know, you, you can you can um, put it into perspective a little bit more. Whereas, you know, when I, when I was going into some fights in my pro career, even big fights you'd you try and use perspective and think about you know the fact that you've fought in the Olympic Games and you know millions are probably watching it all over the world and you can draw on that to, to kind of like justify in your mind why you should be calm, why you should be relaxed you know you know I, I've, you know I've been in bigger situations than this before, especially if they're fighting a, in a TV studio or wherever, wherever it is where is it is it in the BT studio or, or in Wembley? I
0: think they found somewhere, didn't they? It was
6: announced church, yeah. church something. It's like an atmosphere. Oh, yeah. it's, so it's, in a, it's in a church. So he's fighting in a church. So he's yeah. fought in Olympic Games. He's yeah. fought in World Championships. Um, so, yeah, he can use that to, to use perspective. Whereas Dubois, he's fought in the Tama tournaments and things like that. Not quite got the same pressure, the same glamour uh, as the bigger tournament so uh, yeah you, you can definitely draw on it if you've been in them as an amateur <laughs>
0: and here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined once again by Lou Debella for the latest Debella's Digest. And Lou, as always, I'm going to start by asking, how has your week been?
7: No comment, Danny. Let's talk boxing.
0: <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fine. Um, one of the biggest things that's caught attention in the last week. Special, special guest today. Special,
7: she, she special like guest appearance fine. by Dr. Lina. Yeah. she's sleeping on my. Yeah, the, the reason I look awkwardly situated is she's sleeping on my chest, and I don't want to disturb her. Um, oh okay, so thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, we well, you know we have some big stuff. I, I, I guess uh, that was quite a performance. I thought after he adjusted by by Terence Crawford, um, you know it's interesting. These fights are like panning out very heavily. Like I anticipated them to, you know, I thought Kel Brook would come out with a charge cause cause, Bud is a slow starter. And, um, and I gave, I had given Brooke the first three rounds, but then the second that that guy adjusted, that fight was over. Um, I mean, it was, a uh, you know, Crawford's a very, very, very good fighter. Um, but a little bit untested. And that's, I guess the source of a lot of the problems that, uh, that he's having with his promoter, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, were you surprised not the fact they're having problems? That wasn't a great surprise, but the fact that they've both sides of this uh, disagreement have been so vocal about it, so public.
7: Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that actually. I mean, I think there was a lot of loyalty between them over the years. Um, you know, on one hand, I think Crawford and his people are all frustrated that he's not getting the mega fights. On the other hand, Aram's not wrong that he's paid this fucking guy a shitload of money. Um, he's paid, he's paid this guy a lot of money to fight pedestrian opposition and, and he's treated him like a star, even though he hasn't been able to cross the avenues, you know, to make deals with welterweights that are with PBC. But, you know, in terms of how, how Corford has earned and the, and the number of people that have seen him fight, um, you know, top ranks done pretty well by him, um, I was a little bit surprised that I think Aram, look, you got to give Aram a little slack. The mother, you know, the man's in his late fucking eighties and he doesn't give a single fuck, you know, but also when you're in your late eighties, you're just different, man. You're chippier and you don't give a fuck. So I, I, I I cut him a little slack, but I was a little surprised. I think he went overboard. Um, you know, I think that Bud's also hitting that point in his career where those big, big fights have to happen or he's going to be on the wrong end of his career. You know, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, You know, I think both of them have some points, but I do think that overall he's, you know, he's made a lot of money uh, without taking significant risk. And from a standpoint of boxing as a business, Crawford's done pretty well. Uh, Something they they talked about
0: publicly again, but something that seems to suggest uh, or hint at a broader topic in boxing is that Aaron was comparing Crawford to some of his other fighters, Teofimo Lopez being one of them, and basically implying or even saying outright that Crawford doesn't do enough to promote himself and to put himself out there. And then a lot of people hit back on social media. I think Crawford's wife may have been one of them, saying, you know, it's the promoter's job to promote the fights. You know, promotion is his realm. Where where do you sit on that? How much responsibility should a fighter take to build his own brand and his own drawing power, revenue power?
7: I mean, I certainly think it's helpful if the fighter wants to do a lot. I think that Tevin Farmer was very well served. I mean, he's not a Bud Crawford in terms of magnitude, but just how he used social media and he used um, public opinion to get himself an opportunity as he was building himself back. I think guys that have, have been very heavily invested in social media, like Ryan Garcia, can really help their images and their earning power um you know but other guys just prefer to go home and hang out with their families and their kids and bud's one of those guys and he said he's not a, he's not situated in a big city he's in uh what omaha omaha nebraska um nebraska and uh um i mean there's 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 a degree of truth to what to what arum said and and i and and a fighter can very much help himself By being active and and self promoting, but they're not wrong that the primary responsibility to promote is the promoters. Now, if the fighter says, I don't want to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, then that's on the fighter a little bit. No, not a little bit. That's on the fighter. If the promoter says, Hey, I can offer you A, B, C, D, E, F, and G promotional opportunities. And the fighter says, nah, I really just want to hang out in, in wherever. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't have the time. Then, then it's on the fighter. If, if, if those op- promotional opportunities aren't presented to the fighter, it's a little bit different. Now, I would suggest
0: that Errol Spence at this stage is a bigger star and a bigger drawing card than Terence Crawford, particularly on TV, maybe not so much um, in their home states. You know, uh, Crawford's a big draw in Omaha. But is that because he's just had those more high-profile fights, the better level of competition being with PBC?
7: Well, he also had more eyeballs, you know, I mean, but, but then again, that's not quite fair because Crawford had eyeballs too. Crawford's fought, fought a number of his fights on ESPN. ESPN yeah. Um, you know, I don't think Crawford ever did an audience like the 6 million people that saw Errol Spence when he fought after the Olympics, but you know, it, it's, it, you know, they, they both have gotten a very fair share of exposure. Spence is big in Texas. Dallas is a major, major market. Omaha's really not, that's not Bud's fault. But, um, you know, look, there a fighter does himself a lot of good and a fighter has a responsibility to try to, to try to make himself someone people care about. Fighters are entertainers. I've heard, I mean, I've said that too many times fighters are entertainers and fighters have to realize that it's a subset boxing and sports of the entertainment industry. You could be a lesser fighter, but if more people care about you, you could be a star. And you could be a great, great fighter, and if no one cares about you, you're not a superstar. You might be pound for pound, but and and you don't cross over to the casual fans or the general public. I'm going to guess probably, I don't know, in, in, in the boxing world, everyone that knows Spence knows Crawford, everyone. In the general population, maybe Spence is a little bit better known because of geography and, you know, more fights with multi-millions of people. And the fact he's already done a pay-per-view that was successful.
0: So I just wanted to ask the next thing I was going to say, are there any non-PBC welterweights that Crawford could have fought, in your view, over the past couple of years that would have increased his standing to any degree?
7: Not really, unless they would have about reaching down or reaching up. You know, they didn't do a lot of that. Um, you know, part of the issue, frankly, was also some of the more attractive 54-pounders. 54 is also a dominant division for, for PBC. Um, so it wasn't so easy to look up, and even looking down, could they have tried to push a Ramirez fight earlier? I don't know. The Ramirez would have liked that. Um, could, they sort it, they, could they have sought out Josh Taylor with a big number? The problem was what economics was going to justify that big number, you know, unless they see now. But if they got if they brought Crawford to, you know, to Scotland, would that have been something attractive? But then you have a pandemic hit. So
0: I I guess the real answer
7: is nothing would have been so easy for them. You know,
0: what about Mikey? I mean, he's a free agent. I think he did his last fight with the zone, but could he have been tempted perhaps after
7: the Spence fight? He might have been tempted, but Mikey, here's what Mikey is. Mikey is an, one of the best 30, 35 pounders I've ever seen in my life. Mikey's an excellent 40 pounder. And then take Mikey to 47 and you saw what Errol Spence, you know, did with him. And is there any reason to think it would be different with Crawford? Yeah. Um My gut tells me no. I also think, you know, Mikey made a lot of money for the Spence fight. But, you know, the old saying, Danny, you know, fool me, uh, once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Um, I, 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 unless someone was vastly overpaying Mikey, I don't see him do, having done it. And Mikey against Crawford, is that a big pay-per-view? No. No. So where was the money going to be to give Mike, to incent inc- inc- um, Garcia to take a fight that I don't think would particularly interest him?
0: Maybe Adrian Broner.
7: You know, Adrian Broner could have been something interesting, but also he's a PBC fighter. But Adrian, look, Adrian Broner—it's not about competitiveness; it's about—it's about you know his ability to make make attention good or bad and sell people, sell stuff. And the truth is, Broner has some sales power um, because part of it is that he's such so colorful. He's a clown. He's a degenerate. I mean, you know, there's there's loads of reasons. He's also when he's on a pretty good fighter. But but, you know, he has some star power uh, and and but but it, honestly, right now, from a compet- competition standpoint, I think people would scoff would the A, people would scoff on it and B, our, uh, Al Heyman's not going to let Bud Crawford beat up Adrian Broner when one of his guys could beat up Adrian Broner.
0: Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, so let's look to the future then. I mean, Apparently, there's less than a year left on Bud's contract with Top Rank. I think it's October next year has been circulated as when that runs out. So there'll be one more fight, we think, um, under Top Rank next year. Will he- you know what? You, you, don't, you,
7: know, you never can tell. It's all about relationships. You know, when a contract ends, you know, obviously people can go their separate ways. But it's all about relationships. And here's another aspect of it. Look, Heyman has a great advantage. If they want to do business with Bud... They're, at, they're advantaged by working with, there's a dog walker about to walk past with a whole bunch of dogs.
8: Right. So, so,
7: so is understandably excited. Um, here, calm down, girl. Here, here's here's the thing, though. Most of the natural big fight opponents are with Heyman and PBC. So if, if those are the fights that Bud absolutely wants, then it's, it's unlikely for me to see him staying with opera
6: But it's all it's
7: also unlikely for me to see Bud agreeing to be on the short end of the stick with PBC Fighters and not feeling like he's special and not making a shitload of money. And the reality is, Bud is already making a lot of money. So, and if you believe Aram, if you take Aram at his word, he's not profiting on the Bud Crawford part of his business. He says he's losing. going to make it. Well, that's what he says. I don't believe any, uh, that's what he says. Would he have an ESPN deal if he didn't have Crawford and Tiafimo or Lomachenko? He probably wouldn't. So he might be losing money, but uh, you know, that doesn't really move me very much. Um, if yeah, he's going he's to expect to go and fight the bigger fights for more money. So he's going to assess the economic offer that Heyman makes him. And if Heyman makes him a great economic offer and Heyman has all the natural opponents, he's likely to go to Heyman. However, nobody makes deals to lose money. So it remains to be seen what happens next October. Next, I, I can't even think about next October. <laughs> I
8: mean,
7: that's a full year, man. I mean, this last full year was 20 years. So I don't even know what the next year is going to be like. So, like, it remains to be seen. But I have to let her out or I'm going to lose – I'm going to get, like – yeah, and I, don't, I don't think people want to hear the Topolina show right now <laughs> uh, but anyway guys good talking to you Danny and I'll, I'll see you next week
0: as always Lou alright brilliant thank you and see you next week bye Topolina
3: bye bye <laughs>
1: Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial mm. advice on all your debt.
8: here for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. With me, I've got the golden,
3: one of the golden contract finalists, Mr. Ryan Walsh. Ryan, how are we doing? Good, thanks, Rez. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. Hope you're well and family's
8: oh, well. All well. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, Ryan, before we talk anything about boxing, uh, we spoke a couple of times during the midst of the summer. Uh, when we spoke, we were in a lockdown. Uh, we're speaking towards the end of the year and we're still in a lockdown. Uh, how's kind of <laughs> life been over the last couple of weeks?
3: Well, it's funny. I've been talking about this lockdown business with, uh, with a few people recently, and I'm—I I'm, must be one of the fortunate ones, very fortunate, and I'm very grateful because I've had a review of this year. So I started off the year, went to Tenerife after my fight. I went to Egypt, to Africa with my partner. I've been to Malbaya, Tenerife, another further two times in France. What lockdown, eh? If you're lucky enough to be in a bubble and your life. Like, bo- boxers have a boxing bubble, so I've been lucky enough to be in that ball for this amount of time and hasn't really affected my life. If anything, we went to France because of how cheap and how quiet it was. It was unbelievable. When we went to Disneyland with the kids, straight after that fight got uh, postponed or due to the COVID, we were, we were in France the, the next two days later, I think. We had a thing, so as far as lockdowns and COVID and all that business has been, it's not really affected us. And, and I don't think it's really affected the world in general because the numbers I'm hearing is 99.7% of people who get COVID are fine. <laughs> so it's a crazy time to be alive. It's a crazy time to, I'll never be able to explain this to my children, ever. And I don't think it'll all my grandchildren. And I'm um, still baffled. And the, the best thing is, I don't remember, I don't, I don't know if it was with you or with Sky. Me and um, Jazza was having our opinions on it. I'm telling everyone I'm immune to COVID, needs to telling everyone it's bull. He's the first British boxer to fail the COVID test. You couldn't write that, could you? You just come right write
8: it. Uh, we'll come to it on to that in a minute. Uh, Ryan, I just want to get your opinion. You you started off boxing grassroots in your local amateur club. Uh, the government announced this week uh, financial packages for certain sports. Yeah. Boxing, I think ice hockey, sports. Uh, oh. Uh, sorry, not boxing, uh, football, not
3: gonna say. horse riding, et cetera, et cetera. They, no, so, they sorry, left our that bottom, which was a huge surprise. I'm happy you brought this up because my brother sent me the picture. So I'm looking through and they have a couple of million here. Football got 26, wow, like football need money. And you're going through. I then realised you get you you've got money on horse racing. So a horse is more valuable than a human, Those boxers. Then you've got grains. The last one i seen was a grain, 1 million. Now, I don't begrudge the grains, the dogs, and the horses, and all the other sports game money, badminton, whatever. But you're telling me you're going to put animals before humans when you're going to dish out, especially the grassroots. And if we're going to talk professional as well, I had this conversation with a pro yesterday. When you start as a professional, you're either all in or nothing. And then if you're, if you're lucky, you've got a sponsor who help you be all in. They're the people who took you. you boy, it is when you become a professional boxer, you become a self-employed person. You're your own entity in business tell me that they don't need more help than on that whole list the, the people who need the biggest help is that small business which is a professional boxer you're you're on any you're a self-employed business um and like i said with expiring you're getting nothing the government do what they usually do pretend that uh, i think boxing hurts itself though because we haven't got a uh, one organization let's say uh, so they don't know who they're going to give the money to but there's a lot of self-employed boxers and most of, I'd say probably about 80% of the starting boxers are the ones with sponsorship and a medal behind them, going to boxing 50-50. So you've got full-time jobs and boxing. So when I seen that list, I was disgusted, but not surprised. This is, this is the usual with boxing. And, and you know what really pisses me off? In 2012, we had 10 athletes go to the Olympics in boxing. We come back with five medals. Three of them, I believe, were gold. Anthony Joshua... Nicola Adams and Luke Campbell. And that's not enough to get us some recognition because that's the grassroots, isn't it? That's the ultimate of grassroots and Olympic medal. They've done us proud and, well, look what's happening. I don't know what sport England get in in any of this, but as far as boxing in general goes, the government have just stuck one off us, haven't they?
8: Is it a big problem you mentioned there about who does that money go to? Top of my mind, does it go to the British Board of Control? But is that the problem we've got in boxing where we don't have... A Dana kind of white who there's one UFC and he runs everything completely.
3: Definitely, I mean, I say this to a lot of people. Basketball has the NBA. American football has an NFL. Football here has FIFA, and then the Premier League, and it all filters through. That's going to change soon. This cup is going to change all that. From what I'm hearing, there's going to be a, a, a Champions League basically of teams around Europe, and so we're in, a, we're in the midst of massive change at the minute. So. I'd, it'd be nice to have somebody in boxing speaking for us and and talking about the 8 Rare to that, because it is 8 Rare just giving dogs and horses money before you're giving humans. and Terrible, really, isn't it? Um, not shocking, though. <laughs> not this year. Nothing's shocking this year. Nothing's shocking anymore. Anything's possible. Well,
8: let's just hope that uh, through... I know there's a lot of GoFundMe pages and a lot of petitions going on at the moment, so let's just hope the government can... Uh, can retract on this bizarre decision. Um, Ryan, let's go back uh, a couple of months. I spoke to you in the, in the summer. Uh, the date was September, I can't remember the exact date. Uh, we then kind of a press conference between you and Jazza, um, yeah. and I know you had various dates. Uh, I know you sacrificed a lot. I remember when you and Tenerife we were speaking over, over messaging about when we can get you on uh, together with, with uh, Jazza. Just want to go back to when you were in the bubble when you got that notification, you got that call, I don't know, who gave you that information that Jazza tested positive? What was your kind of immediate reaction?
3: (laughs) I thought it was a joke. Especially when, you know, yeah, I thought it was a bit of a joke to be fair. Like, nah, you can't be reading No, seriously, it's fair. I was like, wow. And then, I don't know, I'm just lucky I've got a foundation behind me. I've got my twin brother sat with me. And, um, we don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves. We don't have time to we went about our business. Like ourselves said, I was in France within we two days. I made a lot of plans after boxing, to do, after this fight, to do stuff. And um, I was looking forward to doing them things, and I made sure I'd done them. And um, I remember Harry I said, not long ago, oh, boxing, is, I boxing is not my happiness or anything anymore. Boxing is my life, yes. But I won't let it dictate too much, because you give boxing enough as it is. I give boxing everything. And um, when things are out of my hands, not like crying over spilt milk, this is it, it was out of my hands. I'm glad he failed and not me. Because if I'd have failed, I'd have been so pissed off at my own self, my own body. But he also done two tests and he showed a lot of class. jazz. I must say that he rung me within an hour of failing the test himself just to say he felt good. He looked good when I seen him on the day. I thought, you know what, He this is the best I've seen him. In the, I've seen him three times now. That would have been it'd be the fourth coming up. And I thought he looked a little bit trimmer. He looked. No, he looked ready. And he said to me, "It was he was in the shape of his life. So, he's had a few more weeks to get ready. Hopefully, there's no lasting effects from the COVID and we get a, a cracking fight. What, what,
8: what did you do after, obviously, that fight got cancelled? Did you kind of take a break for a little while, let your body rest and then go back? Because obviously, you had a number of weeks of training to make the weight and then all of a sudden, you got to break that. What, what, what does a fighter do?
3: Um, for me personally I just tried to go about my business like I would have. So I was in France and I am still running, but I didn't punch for a good week, I'd say, which I think was it's written, it's what it was meant to be. So where I had a punch sooner than that had they said, no, I put, I don't know, I don't for me personally I just listened to my body on it all and I don't think it done me the world of I think it done me the world of good to have that little break. It was a false break, it's a break I wouldn't have took. So I just uh Kept up with my running as usual, which i do anywhere. And I didn't go to the gym till the following Monday from that fight, I don't think. So it was a good 10 days. And um good week, 10 days. And that's what i done. Would I advise it? I don't know. I, I, I got told I might be fighting in October, so I was, like, I was buzzing. I thought, I'll do what I'm going to do. My weight's brilliant. Um, that was probably the most annoying thing. In all my 35 career, I've never woke up on the day of the weighting so close to the weight. I was two ounces over. Um, Lee was there, he's in it so that was a bit frustrating but this is this, these things happen and it's it's easy when everything's going good to say look and be happy and do things it's, your character in your life is defined by when things are going wrong how do you react to it then so hopefully that'll be a testament to this in, in my career in this fight in my life that my perseverance is going to pay off
8: Nine, ten days away
3: now, not far away from that December 2nd
8: uh, date. So, are you like excited and positive, or are you like, oh, this fight's already been called off two, three times already for different reasons? <laughs> What's kind of going Mom,
3: on? I'm beyond excited. I, I can't wait no more, you know. Um, I want to enjoy Christmas. And the only way to enjoy Christmas is to have this fight. Do, do you know, I can I clearly see I have a vision, um, I have a mission i tell everyone this, I don't dream no more. Dream is when your eyes are closed. So my eyes are wide open, I know what I can see. It's just a case of just waiting a little bit longer. I mean, nine days, it's, it's ages, and it's not. It's compared to what it's been. We're looking at nine months. Since I last fought and he last fought, we're looking at nearly nine months, I believe. So it's insane. It's been an insane year, an insane roller coaster. But Yeah, I am excited. My only, my only stress, my only worry is exactly the same as last time. A stupid COVID test. So my hands, instead of his hands, he had the COVID, right? He he, he would have passed any medical on, on the planet other than the COVID test. He'd have passed every one. He didn't even know he had it. He's one of them asymptomatic uh, people. So everything that's in my hands, I'm excited about. Everything out of my hands, yes, there's a stress and a worry and a hope. And people constantly said to me, oh, good luck. And I said, no, 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 please, just no bad luck. That's all I said last fight. And it's exactly the same this fight, because that was bad luck. That was it.
8: We've seen,
3: good
8: luck. Of course, yeah. We've seen MTK put on uh, a couple of shows now. Uh, we saw the Golden Court track, uh, Super Lightweight, which O'Hara Davis won. We've seen Eddie Hearn do his fight camp and bubble and now at Wembley Arena. We've seen Frank Warren do stuff at BC's um, You've kind of uh, get the vibe from the TV without the fans. Um, and I know I mentioned this last time, but is that going to make it a
3: different fight? It could well do, it could well do. It's got a far more sparring atmosphere feel from what I've seen. But the work's the work. You're going to do the work, you're going to do what you practice to do. I'm sure he'll try and do what he's practiced to do. I'm going to definitely do what I'm practiced to do. And we practice in that environment, really. I mean, my last spar yesterday was in that exact environment. Um, No one's really paying too much, there's not too much voices, and it'd be different and weird, but. Most of us boxers practice in that environment so I've never done it. I'll be able to tell you more after it but the feel I'm getting is we're just going to get to work. I think the fans have been robbed i talked to one of my friends recently. He came all the way to Denmark and I said I just wished he'd have said look there's 20, 30 tickets for for the select few and I had a rung all them people who come to Denmark and said look let's go. That's what I would like because they deserve that. They've followed my journey from around the world really. I've I've even fought in Tenerife. I've got a friend who's come to Tenerife, Denmark might have been everywhere. And, and our fans are special. And it's such a shame that... And and I'm pretty sure Jazz is the same with his fans. I was at York Hall. He had a good 50 there. We had, obviously, a good couple of hundred there. That would have been something special at York Hall, wouldn't it? But I think that venue deserved that fight. And that's the only probably downside to the, this whole situation. But I'm just grateful and happy to be fighting because... This is, well, like we said on the WhatsApp, this is take two or three or four now. So, let's just get this fight, you know. 2020, I'll, I'll be one of the lucky ones. If I can say I fought twice in 2020, there's not many more who can say they fought more. So, yeah. My, my excitement is just to get the job done and enjoy Christmas. Because I love Christmas. It's a great time.
8: Are you even contemplating, are you even looking beyond Ryan and looking at, oh, sorry, Jazza and looking at, what potentially lies ahead with this contract that you can achieve financial packages and a huge big fight potentially in 2021 is that even going
6: on no, to- at all
3: i've, I've never felt to that because i'm into boxing i understand boxing and, I, and there is obvious uh, lines and potential of things that could happen if i took my eye off him for one second i I'd be disrespecting him now i was told recently up to a month ago, he's calling out Josh Warrington. Now I find that hard to believe that Jazza would be worrying about other fighters when he's got me to fight. So if that is true, more fool him. Don't believe he'd do that, but who knows? Me personally, I've had one man on my mind for nine months. Day after I after I beat McCulloch in the last semi-final fight, he was on my mind for so many weeks. And then we end up in the lockdown, and I remember thinking it'd give me a break from thinking about the man. And then I'm back there again. I've been back there now for. God, five, six months. I'd just be happy to not be thinking about this man anymore. <laughs> of, I'm from December the 2nd, somewhere around 10, 11 o'clock at night. That'll be it. No more thinking about Jazza. Um, he's a good guy, but come on. He, this is what boxing does to us. We're having a opponent. We, we want to get there and I'm, I'm watching him every night and, and I only have 10, 15 minutes and I, I do like to study my opponents. I do like to look for their tendencies and things, but my, the history of this for me I've had it before where I've watched a guy, and I swear I watched him for 10 hours straight overall. That's a 10 hour. That's a long time. So I'm going to try and do 10 hours I mean, And when I got to fight him, he'd done nothing what I'd watched. It was weird. But on this one, I'm watching it with a different eye. I'm watching it just to see what things work, what don't work, what's he good at. I'm trying not to do what I've done. That was my first ever title fight. I feel like I'm back there again, watching him so much. And then you watch, it'll come out of the box. Totally not what I expect. That's I do think Jazz has got a little bit more to his game than the the last two fights he's fought. If he fights like that against me, well then, we'll see, won't we?
8: Okay, Ryan, thank you so much for giving me a few moments uh, of your time. Like I said, uh, nine, ten days away now uh, and let's hope the fight will happen. Uh, It's a great card as well. A lot of young talent on the undercard. Uh, Wish you all the best in the last kind of week and a bit uh, in preparation and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be catching up with you in Wakefield. Lovely Wakefield.
3: Can't wait and thank you for having me as usual. I'm touching wood, I'm crossing my fingers and everything out of my hands. I hope that we get no bad luck, so I'm hoping Jazz is all COVID free now. So like I say, it's out of my hands, isn't it? Um, that's another thing, you know, you going back with when we started this, about the COVID and that. I was talking to my aunt, or Pat, MTK and the management, and he's like, what people don't realise with boxes is they don't fight, they don't eat. I don't fight. I can't be Father Christmas, so I need to fight. Jazz needs to fight. We all want to be Father Christmas. Now I don't know if people know this, but I'm one of Father Christmas helpers. You know, yeah. I don't I wear the suit. I don't have to get fat and jolly, but I'm one of his helpers, so I need to box so I can be Father Christmas helper. If not, there's not going to be no Christmas tree in my house this year. So <laughs> I want a Christmas tree. I can't wait.
8: No, without doubt, you will definitely be able to do and, and give all your- the
3: for it. <laughs> Just not white yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not wise enough. I'm not old enough. Uh, yeah, it'll take a long time for me to get a white beard. I'm too thick. <laughs> too young and dumb. You gotta get old and wise first. <laughs> Ryan Walsh, IFL TV, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Raz. Take care, my friend.
5: Is your debt causing you sleepless nights?
1: Knock your debt out with debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt.